You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode 21 with Indigo Ocean. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hey, what's up, Trailblazers? Today on the show, we are talking with a serial entrepreneur and author, Indigo Ocean Dutton. Indigo is the founder of three companies, Aspiratech, Awakened Business Consulting, and Phone Buddies Peer Counseling Community. She's also the author of two books, Being Bliss and Micro Habits for Major Happiness. Indigo received her MA in Integral Counseling Psychology and her BA in International Commerce from Brown University. On today's episode, Indigo and I discussed discussed her life story leading up to her time spent in Bali and what provided that winning mindset to achieve so much after she left Bali. We talked about how she went from being a 1099 business consulting contractor making $23 an hour and moved through the steps rather quickly to the point where she jumped ship, started running her own company and got a $300,000 contract inside of about two years. We discussed so much more so you don't want to miss out on this terrific interview. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Trailblazers podcast. I'm Stephen Hart. And today on the show, we have Indigo Ocean. Indigo is a serial entrepreneur and author of two books and the host of Conscious Business Leaders TV. Indigo, thank you so very much for being our guest today. Yeah, it's really great to be here. So I've shared a little bit with our community about you in our intro, but we love to get beyond achievements and accolades of our guests right at the beginning and Allow them to connect with you. Could you maybe share something that's not scripted for media, but is 100% indigo? Okay. Well, I would say my probably my foundational belief that everything else comes out of is that I see us as being spiritual beings who are mm-hmm. having a human experience, not human beings who maybe sometimes access our spiritual elements. Foundational to who we are is spiritual beings first and foremost. And I see that there's no reason for there to be a separation between that identity and any part of our lives. If that's who we intrinsically are, then that should come out in every part of our lives. And so my work is in particular making sure that people know how to integrate that into their business life. So before we get into a lot of that, you know, I, I've got to ask you about this amazing name of yours. Indigo Ocean is such a beautiful name. And I, you know, my is the first thing that caught my attention when I was looking at your profile. And even my wife had hinted to it and we were intrigued and just curious if there was any significance to your name. Absolutely none. No? <laughs> it's actually my first and middle name. And then my last name is, is Dutton. But usually I only go by the first and middle. Yeah, not really. No significance to it. I always like to say it's the sequence of syllables that lets me know I should probably pay attention because someone is either talking to me or about me. <laughs> and that's there you it. go. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so there's a million directions, as I shared a minute ago, that I found myself wanting to go with you today in this interview. You've got so much that's happened in your life and you've accomplished so much and your story is so intriguing. And I've listened to, to several other interviews you've done. 
And I know you're more than able and willing to share a ton of great information as you've done in the past. So I want us to be able to focus the time with you today on some of that. But before we begin extracting some golden nuggets for today, if you will, I was wondering if you could just take two or three minutes and share with our Trailblazers community, maybe the highlights of your life story leading up to the time you spent in Bali and that's kind of where I wanted to jump off and, and talk about some other topics. Would that be okay? Sure, sure. Although it would be really more like the lowlights leading yeah. up to Bali since there wasn't anything really particularly high <laughs> before that. I think that's I think that's a foundation that is just a great one. Yeah. Great now, right? Yeah. Looking in looking where you are today yeah. at where you've come from. I just kind of wanted to set that stage. Yeah, I mean, to give the low lights, I had a really, really, what one would call unhappy childhood. And I was never a, a happy kid. Not that, not that I wasn't trying to be. There was just not a whole lot of reason for happy. My family, you know, we didn't celebrate birthdays. Like, it, my family was just not prone to valuing happiness. But I became very achievement-oriented. My family valued education. So I did extremely well, and I excelled, and I went to Ivy League College and full scholarships to Brown and Yale, and which were the only two schools I even applied to. And it seemed like it was kind of paying off, like all the sacrifice was paying off. But the problem was I got, I got to college, and I pretty much achieved the only goal that I had ever had, which was to go to an Ivy League college. And so I got there, and I was just sort of lost. And that continued on for pretty much my 20s. I I wasn't really able to get my bearings and find another goal. You say, well, you know, I want to become a millionaire. Well, that's too vague. Like, that's just too broad. That's not a goal you know how to even begin to progress toward. So I had no real clear direction. I almost went to law school and I did this and that. Eventually, I clarified that I wanted to help people because I did some volunteering work at this church called Live Memorial Church, which is kind of this famous church in San Francisco. And I did some volunteer work there with the kids. And and that was the most rewarding part of my life. So I thought, well, maybe I'll become a child therapist. So I went back to school to get trained in that. And I did do that. And I actually wound up working for the state of Hawaii for a few for a bit as that. But along the way, I before before I wound up in Hawaii, I kind of hit another bottom, which was that, okay, so now I've got the degree and I'm graduated and things still weren't really very good. I still wasn't really very happy and I, yeah. I wasn't making a whole lot of money and I wasn't finding anything to be particularly rewarding. So at a certain point, I realized I had a very beautiful looking life. I had a respectable job. I didn't make a lot of money, but I was saving a few hundred dollars every month. I lived in a beautiful neighborhood. I was in a house share in an incredible, beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood. I had a brand new car. You know, at a certain level, things looked really good, but I wasn't happy. And that was when I got to the point where I was like, oh, I give up. Mm -hmm. I've tried my entire life to make this work. I've tried all the things that people say you should do. I've done them. I've done them really well. And I'm still not happy. So I just kind of sold everything that I owned and packed up and, and moved to Bali. I didn't even know where I was going. When I, when I got to the airport in Denpasar, there's a, a taxi board and it had the prices for different cities. So you pay at the board and then they give you a ticket that you take out to the driver. You don't pay the driver. So I just picked the cheapest place on the list, the cheapest city. And the the guy at the taxi booth was like, no, I'm not I'm not selling you a ticket to there. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, was like, I said, I'm buying a ticket to Battle Mulan. And he's like, no, I'm not going to sell you a ticket to there. And I was like, why? He says, because you're not going to find any place to stay there. So we argued for a little bit. And then finally uh-huh. I said, okay, where will you sell me a ticket to? And he thought about it and he said, I will sell you a ticket to Ubu. And I was like, mm. fine. And of course, Ubu costs like five times as much as, as Battle uh-huh. Mulan. But I was like, fine, whatever. It's like five bucks in the end, right? So I wound up living there. Actually, a few days later, I found a house and I wound up living in that same place, you know, for a year. <laughs> Uh, and during that period of time, my life completely turned around and I became a genuinely happy person. All the things I'd been working so hard to try to achieve before that, that were just not really quite coming together, just kind of came right up and laid themselves at my feet and just right. said, do you want to? And all I had to do was say yes and show up. And it's pretty much been a bit like that ever since. I saw bits and pieces of this story elsewhere and it just seems like before you got to Bali you lacked the desire to be around other people you seem to have lacked the direction and you came away from this time there with so much success that followed right you authored two books you founded several successful companies you've helped countless others in the process looking back now what was it that provided that winning mindset in that experience there that allowed you to achieve so much after leaving Well, I would say I've always been an introvert and still am, right? So I still enjoy spending 95% of my time alone. So the great thing about Bali was that I could. (laughs) Like for the first time in my life, I had a house by myself in a beautiful garden. Sure, there were lots of people coming and going. I had a cook and a maid and I had neighbors and different things like that. I could see the people working out in the rice fields from my house. But there was no one living in the house with me. And I additionally didn't have to go to work. So I got to spend a tremendous amount of time just sitting out on the deck, staring at the sky. And I would watch the, the in the morning, I would watch the sun come up and and burn away the clouds that hid the mountains. And then I would see the mountains come into view. And as the day wore on, the the clouds would come back and they'd hide the mountains. And I basically spent four months watching the mountains appear and and disappear (laughs) day after day after day. I barely left my house. And that gave me a chance to finally come to some kind of a center, just finally getting a chance to have no outer stimulation pulling me away from myself. Then when I did get up and it's like every time I would run into anyone anywhere, an incredible opportunity would come. I mean, I got to represent the United States in an international beauty book and Tina Turner bought 50 copies. Really? Yeah. I got invited to dance at Peter Gabriel's Singapore Womad show. I got invited to co-produce an event where I didn't have to do any of the business part of it. All I had to do was create the content. And it was like the standing room only totally sold out event, even though there was like a monsoon that night. (laughs) We were like blow drying the the musician's equipment because it was raining so hard, but it was still packed. And all these things I tried so hard with no success, I didn't even have to ask for. And it was because I allowed myself the reset. Do you think that's something others can do with with some level of success? Absolutely. And I, and I don't think you have to go to Bali. Like, right. for me, I really needed that completely different culture 
that simply would not allow me to go back to anything that I knew. Like I had to relearn everything. Their worldview is different. Their, the, the assumptions that we make that we don't even know what that we're making an assumption, they become front and center because these people are making a different assumption. And I needed that because I didn't have a base to go back to of, you know, a happy carefree time in my life that I was trying to regain. I was trying to establish that for the first time. So for me, that was really important. And now if I'm needing a bit of a readjustment again, I don't have to go to such extremes. You know, maybe I'll go for like one to four weeks in Hawaii, or maybe I'll just take a staycation and just spend a lot of time gardening and walking the dog and seeing my neighbors, but not really getting in the car very much. And not doing a lot of outreach for for any of my work. I go through periods of planting, harvesting, and lying fallow. Just cyclically, that's always going on. But I've not needed to go back to something so deep. So I know a lot of other people do something similar. They'll do a one-week Vipassana meditation retreat where for one week they don't speak and they just go into that kind of a silence. There's so many different things that you can do. The main thing is to find a way of getting out of your habitual way to relating to the world and to yourself, your habitual way of seeing who you are and how you fit into the world, and just take some space so that there's a chance that something new can fill that space. I appreciate you sharing that. This is... uh I really wanted our listeners to be able to capture some of that. I found that very intriguing and grossing. It engrossed me as I was as reading about this 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 change. So fast forward, you know, to your your consulting time frame, and I understood there was a period where you were consulting as a contractor, and I've heard a tale about you moving from earning. 20 something an hour to 70 something an hour to jumping yeah. ship and setting up your own thing and eventually fun. moving right <laughs> to some absurd like $300,000 contract inside yeah. of like a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, that was fun. There was that period, especially coming from such a poor childhood, there was something that was just fun about seeing money come so effortlessly. It really got to the point where I kid you not, the less I worked, the more I made. Was that your first exposure to being an entrepreneur? No, but it was the first exposure to doing it successfully. There Mm. were times I tried it before unsuccessfully, either because I had a bad idea or I had an idea that was working, but I had not reduced my living expenses sufficiently. And so I didn't have enough savings or road to be able to get to where the business profit was more than my living expenses. But this was the first time where the revenue was just so tremendous that I didn't need to reduce expenses because revenue just grew so quickly. I mean, within seven months, I went from answering an ad that I think was for $19 per hour to making $60 per hour. And within a year of that, I was at 75 per hour. And within six months of that, I was at $125 per hour. And within a, maybe a year and a half of that, I was at more like $1,000 per hour. Wow. So what was it about that that allowed you to, to see that much success this time around? Was it, uh, was it the, the product or service? Fit a, 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 was there a product market fit that you finally identified? What, what was the change well, that I took place there? To me, in my understanding of things, there's always the inner game and the outer game. And I say in my understanding because, honestly, I don't know. 
<laughs> like whenever we try to analyze our lives, we're extremely mm-hmm. biased, right? And so right. what yep. we're what we're paying attention to and what we're leaving out, we can't see it. But right. as much as I've been able to make sense of it, there were two things that changed. Number one, the internal change that took place from that foundation of the reset I had in, in Bali and just learning how to simply enjoy being alive and that the mm. point of life was enjoying it and that I had a right to be happy and that that if I wasn't happy, I should change something, <laughs> not just keep full barrel going forward on the track I was on and thinking that was going to create a different result. So that was an internal change that needed to happen. But then I still just didn't know how to successfully run a business. It it wasn't taught in my family. It wasn't taught in any of my education. I just didn't know. And so the key thing that happened in that job was that they sent me for training. They invested $5,000 in in training me. And once I got that training and certification, other companies started recruiting me. So at that one company where I answered the ad for $19 per hour, I only ever was able to talk them up to $30 per hour because they saw me in that income zone that they had originally hired me in. But someone with the certification, certification, somebody else doesn't see me. They don't care that I answered an ad for $19 per hour seven months ago. Right. Right. That means nothing to them. So they're just like the job you can do is worth $60 per hour to us. Right? Right. And I was able to work from home, which is always a big part of my right. ability to succeed because I am such an introvert. So right. I was able to be sustainable for years for me to be able to build expertise. They, they trained me in how to be a business consultant. In addition to the certification, I needed to also know the craft of the field. So they taught me the craft. Then they gave me clients and they put me with an experienced consultant that I could apprentice under until I could go out on my own and have my own clients. And then it got to a point where they would sell the deal, give me the contract and say, here, go do this. So I was doing everything except selling the deal and doing any of the invoicing. Light bulb goes off. Yeah, well, the economy, actually, I really didn't even then think to start my own business because I kept failing at businesses before that. And here I was mm. now, I was making $75 an hour, working from home, making my own hours, doing work I was great at. I was like, this is life. This is the next right. 30 years. <laughs> yep. But then the economy fell apart. And that mm. company, which was based on the East Coast and I was on the West Coast, it decided to pull out of the West Coast. And originally I went to them and I said, look, I can do what your regional manager used to be doing. I could do it. Just give me a chance. And they were like, no, 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 you can't do it. So they left. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do it without them then. And I did. And within two months, here's what I did. So I, I needed, I figured that in order to start this business, even though I had all the documents, because they would just give me the contract and say, go do it. So I had contracts. I knew what the invoice, I had all the documentation to make the business. Right. And I obviously knew the skill set and I knew I could learn sales and I could learn how to print a freaking invoice. <laughs> so that's right. I just need a website. So at the time, I didn't really know how to make a website. So I signed up for Linda dot com, which you get three mm-hmm. days free. And then yeah. I t- went down and signed up at a community college. And for one hundred and twenty dollars, I was able to take two courses, which made me a part time student, which allowed me to get a student ID. So for that one hundred and twenty dollars, <laughs> I could then buy like Linda, Adobe, so much low, like low all the Microsoft, all the Adobe. I bought all of it for like six hundred dollars. 
Right. So then with the Linda training and all this software, I was able to make my own logo. It's the logo I still have to this day on that company, actually. Wow. I made my own website. And within within two months, I had my first $20,000 client come in. And my living expenses at the time were only $3,000 a month. So once I closed the $20,000 client, it was like, oh, my God, I, if I just closed one client every month or every other month, I'm stuck. How many more? Right. Uh, and I didn't have to work very hard for it. I, I didn't do any outbound sales. I didn't do any networking. I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't have an email list. I didn't do any of that stuff because I'd uh, never learned that. I just knew how to be a business consultant. So uh, if I had a sales conversation with somebody, I just started consulting for them because that's all I knew. <laughs> but it turns out uh, it was very effective. <laughs> absolutely. Clearly it was. Oh my gosh. So it's, man, this is such an inspiring tale. We talked about this just a second ago. You're pretty much at 75 and oh, I mean, full time, that's $150,000 salary, yeah. right? Yeah, but I wasn't working that many hours. I was working. My deal with them was they always paid me for 20 hours, no matter how many I worked. But if I worked more than 20 hours, I would get paid for those additional hours. So I had, mm -hmm. I had a base salary of 6000 per month for 20 hours a week, and then I could make more if I worked more. So part of that, right, like you eventually started hiring people to do the work. That's how I got right? $1,000 an hour, and that was for hours that I wasn't working. How did you eventually build this passive income stream? So I would not so much consider that to have been passive income. That was more brokering. And brokering, I still had to be a little more active <laughs> than you would consider I mean, passive income. Right. But the passive right. income parts of it were the company came out with an app, which I obviously mm. did not develop because I'm not a developer, but I hired a developer and I, I managed all the business aspects of it. I knew the business use case because I was seeing the clients and I could see that there was a gap in the market. I hired someone to create it and then I marketed it, which was really just listing it on an exchange, but I did it. I, I figured out how to get it onto the exchange. That was good. It didn't make a huge amount of money, but it made back more than I had paid and it established the credibility of my consulting firm because now we right. had an app out, which proved right. that we, we knew how to do really good development. So then after that, I came out with some courses. The courses did really well. Sometimes I think I would make as much as, I think the most I ever made was close to $9,000 in one month just on courses. And that I didn't have to do anything wow. for. Like after I made them, I did nothing to promote those courses. Wow. That was truly passive. <laughs> That's really passive income. So that, and it was, I was kind of going in this direction. What gets you out of your comfort zone and keeps you reaching for, for new and higher heights each time, which I mean, you're, you're going from a point where most people would be really comfortable to, okay, now you have other people you're brokering to creating this app to doing these courses. I mean, you you just keep going. What, what keeps you motivated to, to get out of your comfort zone and just keep going. I, you know, so to me that I don't even experience an inner in comfort zone and out of comfort zone other than networking. Networking takes me out of my comfort zone. But other than that, mm. the creative stuff is just who I am. Maybe it comes back to having been a poor kid. Like I didn't have hardly any toys. So what would I do? I was sitting in an empty room and I would imagine. And so at that time, I didn't have a lot of materials to work with. Now I have the entire world. I have the entire Internet. I have 
so much knowledge that, that are, that are building blocks of the things I already know. And I have access to even more knowledge. So now this creativity can just always be thinking of the next thing. The other aspect of that is if you think about Einstein, Einstein himself would admit, he often did, that he was not the smartest scientist in the room. And he right. said that the people around him were much smarter than him. Yet they weren't coming up with what he was coming up. They didn't discover E equals MC squared. They didn't discover the theory of relativity and so on. And he said that the difference was that imagination, that he drew upon imagination and they did not. Now, how I interpret that kind of imagination is how the spiritual life, I am open to that. I let that in. I live in mm -hmm. close harmony with it every single day. So these aren't my ideas. They're spirit's right. ideas. And it has a perspective that is so much broader and wider and deeper than anything I could possibly come up with. I'm just really smart to know how to clearly hear that guidance, accurately interpret that guidance, and then confidently apply that guidance. It's awesome to see talking about all the success. And um, somewhere along the path, though, for, for all of us as entrepreneurs, right? There are some nightmare moments and things go wrong. Our fears and, and doubts take hold of us, right? Could you maybe take me back to one of those moments in your past where you had a big fear in business that took hold of you? Could you probably share with us what you did to, to push through that, to, to be able to, to see success come out the other end? So I have to honestly confess, I've never pushed through anything and found success on the other end. When I've had success, it's come to me easily. When I've had to push, I... It, it never worked. It just really? never worked. If it wasn't working, it wasn't going to start working just because I tried harder. Now, some people that would be different because maybe their issue is that they give up too easily, but that's never been an issue <laughs> for me. I was the kid who spent summer studying for the SAT after ninth grade, <laughs> wow. even though I didn't have to take it. Right. So I was never someone where you would have to say I needed to be motivated to, to, to try hard. So for me, the lesson, see it's, see, it's always about balance and then equilibrium. This is the thing that people miss. It's like if you're saying that there's this point in the middle that we have to get to, well, what's the path there? Well, it depends on where you start. If you start mm -hmm. over to the left, then the path is to go to the right. If you start to the right, then the path is to go left. So what I'm saying worked for me because I needed to go in a certain direction, which was to ease off. So everything comes to me when I ease off. If someone knows that they're at the other end and they tend to give up on themselves, then their path is to go in the other direction, right? And to be able to stay with something long enough and not be discouraged just because there are adjustments that need to be made along the path. So talk to me about that. Maybe like what could busy entrepreneur do to unlock some of that creative potential and tap into what they're capable of achieving and, and being able to monetize that? Well, I would say the number one prior thing is that you have to make it your number one priority to be happy. Like it's got to mean more to you to feel good. And I don't just mean pleasure. I mean to deeply <laughs> feel good right, right. now in this moment than any promise of what's going to come somewhere over the rainbow after you do this because you did it. The idea of chasing that goal, that was why when I kept having achievements, I was still deeply unhappy. And eventually that pervasive 
long-term unhappiness undermined my success. So mm. yeah, you could have flash in the pan a little bit here, a little bit there, but to really have a successful life, you've got to be enjoying yourself. So that's number one. Figure out what are those things that you can do that really shift your mood. Don't be right. reactive. Be proactive. Don't let right. the situation decide what your mood is. You, you have to choose your mood the way that you choose your clothes. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't get out of the bed until something idea comes to me that's so exciting that I so badly want to do it that I practically leap out of the bed every morning. I lie there just thinking, wow, it feels great to be in this bed. And my mind wanders and eventually I'll think of something I want to do for a client or I'll think of another lesson I want to create in a course or just something will come to me. And I'm so excited about it. I jump out of the bed. That could be at six o'clock in the morning or it could be at 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't care. <laughs> I don't schedule very many early meetings and I move through the whole day like that. I do what needs to be done. And once what I'm doing is done, I just look around and say, well, what would, what would most delight me right now? Sometimes it's right. another creative activity. Sometimes it's walking the dog. Sometimes it's hanging out on the deck. Sometimes it's baking some chocolate, something wonderful. I try not to use food very much in, in this regard, but sometimes that's a thing. There's a, a little bit of a little sweet thing is just delightful. And th there's a rhythm. I was saying there's a time that you plant and there's a time that you harvest and there's a time right. that you just lie fallow. And that's not just the seasons of the year. That's also the seasons of the day. So there are a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to the show. Wondering if you could maybe share some effective st steps or tips. I, I know you have a great bit of marketing background. What's some foundation steps or tips that you can share with, with a budding entrepreneur that they really need to get right and lay down right in the foundation of their business? Well, I would say that you have to kind of figure out where well, two things are foundational and then other things become important after that. They need to figure out, do they want to create a job for themselves, just a great job, or do they want to create a business for themselves. If you create a job for yourself, that means you basically go out and you say, aren't I great? Look, I'm the best at this. You want to hire me because I'm going to do it for you the best. And they may get lots of clients and customers, like, but they're coming for them, which means even five years from now, when people can't sell the business, right, right. Not only can mm -hmm. they not sell it, they can't even not show up for work. <laughs> they, they are an employee. They just happen to mm -hmm. also be the boss. And maybe that's what you want. Some people are more freelancers in nature. They just want to do the actual service delivery and they want it to be all around their identity and they want to be known as like they are the best at this. They're more of a, the craftsman or freelancer and that's fine. So decide if that's in fact what you want. It's a very lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And it's a wonderful lifestyle. You're build, you just need to know that you're just building a really great income. You're building a fantastic job where you have a lot of freedom and creativity and things like that. You're not building an asset. So right. if 20 years from now you decide to stop working, you have whatever you save just as if you had a job and that's it. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. So if that's what you want, don't feel like you have somehow a lesser aspiration. <laughs> the, 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 the greatest aspiration for you is the one that makes you happy. Okay. But some people, the aspiration that would make them happy is 
building of a business, building of an asset that they can sell, having people work for them, having this system that they've created that lives on without them, seeing that they can do this, that they can have all these moving parts of different people playing different roles and that they can manage all of that and that they can grow it into something that's greater than than them. And that they could then either sell it and take that money and, and do something else, or they don't even have to sell it. They could work it the rest of their lives. They just have that that extra asset that's always there providing an extra security. And and really, they do it more for the love of the game, right? So right. if you love the entrepreneurial game itself, you right. probably more want to have a business than uh, more of a freelancer lifestyle. Right, right, right. right. Once you figure that out, then every a lot of decisions become clear after that. And I can't really go down oh, both, both pathways very much, but that's the foundational thing. I would say for either one, especially though for the freelancer, one thing that you need to figure out is what is your balance between the role of marketing and the role of systems? You Mm. cannot pretend that everything is about marketing. And this is a point I really want to drive home because one thing that I have learned in the last year and a half or so that I've moved away from corporate consulting and moved over to Awaken Business Consulting, where I focus more on working with sole proprietors and tiny sized businesses, is that there is a ridiculous amount of misinformation out there on social media about Mm -hmm. what business is and how you do it. It's like shocking. There is more misinformation than accurate information. And I would say the most profound misunderstanding is coming from people who are truly marketing coaches calling themselves business coaches. Now, they have a tendency to predominate the conversation because guess what? They're great at marketing. So if you're on social media, which is a marketing platform, guess who's going to have the loudest voice? The people who are best at marketing. So it's very easy for them to create the perception that there's nothing to business except marketing. So when people aren't succeeding... They think they need more or better marketing. What I found with many of my clients who are in that very small, like it's just them, or maybe they have a couple of part-time assistants in that zone. What I have found the number one thing to do with them is to have less marketing. It's to reduce their marketing down to just one, maybe two things that they're doing, that they're measuring, and put all of their eggs into that basket. And they need systems. They need systems right. to even know, well, which one thing is it, right? They need to know they what sure. their ROI right. is. Or exactly. They need systems for automating because they can't do everything, but there are things that need to be done so that they're really doing all of the things that need to be done in that business, not just skipping things because they're feeling like they need to be doing more marketing and they need to be doing more yeah. sales. And there isn't time to pay attention to cash flow. And there isn't time to pay attention to targets and goals and, and track your progress to them and, and make adjustments, what's called business process optimization. There isn't time to optimize. I just need to get some dollars in the door today. Right. Right. And I think, well, I need to do more marketing. <laughs> and the reality is, They're not working smart to know where the greatest return on their effort is. So they work harder and harder for decreasing returns instead of working less and less for increasing marginal returns. And that's how Mm. you make business. Wow. Guys, listen in. This is this is the golden nuggets we're talking about at the top of the call. Indigo, what what can we look forward to with you? You know, are there any big dreams and goals on your vision board for the next 10 years and beyond that you'd care to share with us? Well, the big dream is indigoocean.org right now is just like my personal website. You know, my business website, Awaken Business Consulting. And so that's right. where most of my activity is. I don't do much on Indigo Ocean, but 
that is just like my personal thing. So it's all this volunteer work I've done and uh, the speech, you know, I gave a commencement speech to so that's on there and just this and that. Right. But my, my goal is that someday, the reason that's a dot org, not a dot com is that my hope is that someday I'll be able to have my own charitable foundation called the Indigo Ocean Foundation. And wow. I'll be able to support causes that I care about that I don't personally have time to make all those nonprofits. Like I want it to be done, but I don't want to be there in the trenches every day doing it. I just want to empower those who do want to be there to be able right. to. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be super fun. <laughs> That's on the 10 year vision. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it's funny because I realized that I didn't see it coming. And this is like such an important point, I think in life, like so many times we are so frustrated because we're trying to see our goals looking forward and then plan to do all the right steps so that we can get there. And, you know, for short stretches, for a few things that can work, but more often than not, that doesn't work so well. What works much better is following where your spirit is guiding you and it, and it mm. guides you by joy. So as, as you're saying, what would delight me most right now? And then doing that, right. you get guided. And then at a certain point you look back, and it all comes together. You see how all the dots connect. So it just, I worked a lot in nonprofits during my lost 20s, <laughs> but I wound up getting a lot of nonprofit jobs. So I learned a lot about how nonprofits worked. I went in and out of them because I couldn't keep a job, but I learned about a lot of different nonprofits. I had a temp job when I came back from Bali working at the United Way of New York. Because I was at the United Way, they had me help them evaluate grants. So I learned mm. how to evaluate grants. Another point in New York, I just had this job at a nonprofit where I had a lot of free time. And so I decided to come up with this new program. And so I worked with the grants manager. We got a $100,000 grant from the Department of Education for the program I designed. So I learned how to, you know, how do you design a program that's worthy of a $100,000 grant? As a business consultant, I've consulted for so many different nonprofits and helped them with their business systems. And how do you make that work better? I Even one of them was a foundation that gives huge grants. They're a billion-dollar foundation, and I helped them develop their business process. So I know wow. how you set up a billion-dollar foundation. I'm not going to try to have a billion-dollar foundation, but I know how you would set up one even of that yeah. size. I did not plan all of that experience to prepare me for that future. It was after I got the experience that the picture of that future became clear to me and I realized Absolutely. how badly I wanted it and that I'm on the path to it already. You're opening up my 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 vision to, to some of the things as you're saying that. That's just great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So we're nearing the end of today's session, but I would love to have you share some resources with our listeners to help them sharpen their minds and look to maybe some resources they may not have explored before. So could I ask what's one book you've read in the past that has inspired you most? The book that it, well, okay, so the, the earliest one was The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. That was a turning point book for me because at that point I was really lost and I wasn't really seeing any theme in my life that was inspiring me. And that book reawakened a spark in me that, mm. that just kind of gave me a chance that to see wow. that life was not drudgery and, and hard work and perseverance and sacrifice, that, that there was something about life that was magical and wonderful. So that would be my, my first favorite. 
Well, we'll definitely be posting. By the way, for everyone listening, I'll be posting all these resources on our show notes page. So definitely check that out at tvpod.com. Indigo, what's something small you've done this month that you're proud of? Oh, goodness. There's so many things that, that really delight me. <laughs> Gosh, I gave my first, not my first speech, because I gave a commencement speech sort of out of the blue last year. But I gave my first presentation, like work-related speech within the past month. And that was fantastic. It was, it was, I was able to lead them in a channeling exercise where I helped the audience tap into their inner guidance system. And then I led them through using that to answer key business questions. And so I helped Mm -hmm. to bridge that for them. And people were coming up to me, like they were ecstatic. They were like, that was one of the best presentations I've ever seen. That was, this is one of the, it was, it's a a meeting that goes on once a, a month and it's been meeting for years. They said, this is the best one I've ever been to. <laughs> Someone else who organizes other kinds of gatherings like that came up to me and said, you have to speak at my next event. So now I'm going to be speaking at hers this, this Friday. It just Even though she had already closed down her speakers list, she opened it up just to fit me in. And, it, you know, it was something completely new, but I just kind of let spirit do it for me. <laughs> and it turned out really well. I guess this is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like doing things and, and realizing that it's something that you have a heart for and, and pursuing it from there. And opportunities that's, that's, that just sort of come to you when you're on the right, right path. And so if you're yeah. having to make it happen, just realize you're going to always be making it happen. If you want spirit to do it for you, you better get those signs early on that it intends to do it for you. Indigo, can a budding trailblazer have too many goals? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I I think sometimes even having one goal (laughs) can be too many because sometimes you're really in that place of really needing to just put one foot in front of the, the, the other and really let spirit guide you. Because you if you try to get in there, you're just going to limit what is trying to be created for you because you're just dreaming too small. So sometimes and, 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 and anything, it could be. I say it, typically you can't really have more than about three things that you're working towards at the same time. But I think the fewer, the better. And however much of your life you're able to comfortably just let yourself be led, so much the better. Could you name an online resource? Could be an app, software, or tool that you use every day that you can't live without? I use the most. Well, Toodledo is probably what I use the most. Not the fanciest task scheduler. Very, very simple. (laughs) But I like simple because I don't want to be fiddling around with the interface. I want to focus on the content. And so it just keeps track of the things I need. There are certain things in there that are recurring. I started off kind of high level goals and I broke those down into performance goals and then I broke those down into process goals, which become the tasks. So I know that the tasks there feed into like my, my, my bigger plan. So, but once I have that there, it's like, well, now I just, here are the things I do today. And it doesn't say do it now. It just says before this day ends, these are things that need to be done. So I can still kind of flow through the day and go with my natural rhythms and just make sure sometimes like meditation is on my list. Sometimes meditation is one of the first things I do when I get up. Sometimes I don't get to it till 10 o'clock at night, but it just needs to happen in that day. Somewhere in the day. I always have a commitment. I will do one yoga pose every day. 
I don't know when it's going to happen, but I need to do that one yoga pose. Sometimes it says I'm walking to bed. I'll just stop in the hallway and, and, and bend over each side. But I did my one yoga pose. Usually it results in my doing my entire yoga routine. <laughs> but my commitment is I will simply do one yoga pose. And, and toodle do just it manages all that stuff for me. It's just there. I check it off. It rolls over to the next day. I've never heard of toodle do. I use a, an app called Productive, which I have as an app on my phone and it's also accessible on desktop and it sounds fairly similar to that. They're all fairly similar. I'm sure. It's yeah. just, it's just toodle do. I think it's like $15 a year and mm. it's so, so simple that I like, you know, I also have a sauna and podio and Trello and I use Trello for managing my show so that I can keep track of the guest onboarding process with my, with my assistant. But so we need to communicate with each other. So Trello's, better when you're in a, you're communicating with somebody else but just for me for self-management toodle do is probably the one i couldn't couldn't live without i wanted to know why is it important that we volunteer and give back with our time talents and treasures well so- it isn't is the question and, and i would ask that to each person is it important to you if it is right. then that's why because because you care about it if it's not important to you it's not important to do it this is, is your, it important to you? It's very important to me, but each person gets one life to live, and their job is to freaking enjoy it. <laughs> I find that one of my greatest sources of joy is helping other people enjoy their lives more. But I don't do it to help them. I do it because it brings me it provides joy. You fulfillment. <laughs> right. Right, right. That's my job. Before we let you go, I wanted to, to allow you to take a couple of minutes and just impart some actionable tips, inspiring message that could probably help us elevate our game today and help us blaze our trail. Well, I would say number one thing, again, number one is to make it your top priority to actually enjoy your life. Because the more you enjoy what you've been given, the more that you are given that gives you a reason to easily feel that way. It still isn't saying you switch over to a conditional life where life is causing you to feel that way, but you, life extends invitations. And we want it to extend to us more invitations to dances we actually want to dance and fewer invitations to dances we want nothing to do with. And the way that you get that to happen is by finding a way of enjoying the dance that you're dancing right now no matter what it looks like. It will change. And if you want it to change into something more pleasing, you have to find the, the what they call the silver lining in where you are right now. Not constantly this reaching, reaching, reaching happiness is some other time after I've done some other thing. You, you never get there. So that's number one, is learn how to be happy and then stay productive. Learn how to be happy and don't just zone out. Stay engaged. Stay connected to this world. And obviously, you can see from my example, that doesn't mean you have to be networking all the time. It doesn't mean you need to be out in the hubbub all the time. You could do it in a very quiet way if you're more a more internal person, but stay engaged with the world. Thank you for that. I appreciate you, Indigo, for taking the time to, to share your awesome story with us today. I'm inspired by you, as I've said before. And, you know, I look forward to kind of hearing what the future holds for you and, and some of these, these goals that you have on your long-term board. Before we let you go, could you tell us how we can stay connected to you and, and we can finish up for today? Yeah, absolutely. So AwakenBusinessConsulting.com is my business website. So 
If you are an aspiring entrepreneur, whether you're coming from a corporate background or more of a service background, I'd love for you to take the business assessment so I can find out more about you. And then you're welcome to schedule a free uh, channel strategy consultation with me where I connect with your inner guidance system. And together we see what we see. We see what is the bigger picture of the trajectory that you would be on in business, whether you've started one yet or not, and, and just see where that goes from there. If you are already in business and you're not, you know, you're not really looking for a business consultant to help you. I do have a tip sheet that will be very useful to you. It's called the top 10 questions vital to your business success and how to get answers to those questions. And it's a resource guide that includes links. And you can get that for free at bit.ly forward slash top questions answered. Awesome. We'll make sure we post those in our show notes page as well for you, for everyone listening. Indigo, thank you so much. I look forward to staying connected with you and we appreciate you for being on today's episode. Thank you. It's it fun. Good memories. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. You too. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm going to be posting all the links to Indigo's book recommendations, her resources, her social channels and website on our show notes page at tbpod.com slash episode 21. Guys, thanks again for continuing to get the word out with your shares, your retweets, subscribing to our weekly newsletter from the website and sharing these amazing stories with your friends and colleagues. Do me a favor, open an email right now. Invite someone to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. Someone listening to one of these inspiring stories will be moved to make a change that impacts the world for many others in the process. Listen, don't miss next week's episode. We've got another amazing and powerful businesswoman, an attorney, Lorene Pendleton, who's doing some amazing things as an angel investor. And you won't want to miss the incredible resources she's got to share on that episode. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today and go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.